Stephanie Martinez Rivera, and you are listening to the Joy Found Here podcast. I am obsessed with reminding my fellow mamas, queens, badass babes, ladies and girls that perfection is just a word, not a lifestyle. Multitasking is overrated. Comparison is a theft of happiness. And yes, you can put yourself first. Oh, and by the way, for optimum results, you should. I'm a New York girl from a small town, part-time badass, proud mama bear times three. I've seen 60 full turns of the sun. I've learned the importance of how kindness begins with you and your self-talk. Join us each week as we help you navigate both the messy and the magical season of this crazy ride called life. Real stories that remind us to reclaim your power. The sun does come out after the shitstorm. A good cry can be cleansing and... We really don't know who sits on top of the mountain of judgment. Sit back, plug in, fill up your cup. This is your time. Remember, you've always had the power. Welcome to Joy Found Here. Hello again, and welcome to another episode of Joy Found Here podcast. Today's conversation is with an amazing, I don't use the word badass often, but pretty good definition of her. She has lived a few lifetimes in her short 32 years of life. She was a talented student athlete, and then she was sidelined with an undiagnosed illness that cut short a college athletic career. She went on to become a young mom, eventually having five kiddos, before the age of 30, do the math, and is now re-emerging and rediscovering her power and her greatness as a survivor. She's truly what I have as the definition of strength, resilience, and what real life looks like. Welcome, Dawn Sarzazin. Hello. Thank you so much. And thank you. <laughs> Uh, you know, okay. So two years ago, we said, what did I tell you? You have a lot, you have a story to tell. Mm -hmm. You need to document this. You need to write a blog. We always think we're the only ones going through what we're going through. But before we start where we are, start with you. Tell us about you. Well, like you said, I'm a mom of five. That's kind of one of my biggest definitions, I feel like, right now, because, well, I have to make five good humans to put out into the world and make mm -hmm. it a little bit of a better place. I'm a nursing student currently. Okay. I'm going back to school after cutting my business college career a little bit short after mm -hmm. I had my, my oldest. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, I'm... I'm a friend. I'm, I, I don't know. I'm just a human being, you know, just in this world, trying to make it a better place for whoever I encounter, I guess. So let's start with, there were a lot of, I think, life defining, changing events again, in your very short life. I mean, I've had a few, but I've got a lot more years on you. So you're in high school. 
mm-hmm. and what happens? I remember waking up three days in a row and I had a headache, which was not anything I was used to. I didn't really get headaches. And I remember asking my mom if I could take Advil with me to school, which was like, I was a rule follower. It was a big deal. I'm not supposed <laughs> to do that. So she was it like, was okay, just keep it, in, keep it in your backpack. And I went into one of my classes with one of my teachers I was really close with. And she's like, you need to go down to the nurse. You're not okay. I can see it. You're not okay. I'm, if you don't go, I'm going to have somebody bring you there. So I went down to the nurse reluctantly and they started taking my vitals and everything was all over the place. My blood pressure, everything. And they thought I had meningitis. So, which is a scary thing, especially for that age range. Um, And, you know, one of the big risk factors, as soon as a headache is mentioned, I was taken to my pediatrician's office. They ordered an immediate MRI. They sent me to a neurologist. Um, while I was at the neurologist, the physician's assistant from my one of my favorite doctors, she called my dad who was at home while my mom was with me and said she needs to see a neurosurgeon. She's got Chiari malformation. And we were like, what the heck is that? Because okay. what is know, that? Exactly. Yeah. We hadn't heard of it. It wasn't something that we knew about in our family. I saw probably about four neurosurgeons and all of them pulled out an encyclopedia, you know, medical dictionary to tell me what it was. And it was kind of like, I could do that myself. I don't, you know, what is this? Did they ever give you like, oh, it's so unusual, like one in, you know, 10,000 that I mean, yeah, yeah, we got all the different numbers and everything mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. This is it's really rare. It's probably not what's causing your problems. It's probably from working out. It's probably from being an athlete. It's probably from this. It's so rare. This is not what's probably causing the headaches. And and the more research I started to do and my parents started to do, a lot of times people don't find out about it until they're, you know, late teens, early twenties, because that's when you're done growing. So that's when everything kind of sets into place and it really mm-hmm. does start cause problems. I had had other like medical, I don't want to even say medical issues, but just things, symptoms that we didn't look at because they were affecting my eating because of where it puts pressure on your brainstem. It would affect swallowing, it would affect breathing, but nobody looks at your head. Then they look at your lungs, they look at your stomach, they look at, you know, so many other factors. Nobody, I didn't have any complaints of headaches. So that wasn't something they thought to look for. Mm -hmm. So after the fact, we found out a lot of those symptoms I had in my early childhood could have been brought on from the Chiari. It was just something that was overlooked. And so from my junior year and through my senior year, And then up until I went away to college down in Florida, that was my dream was to go to Florida to play softball. I walked on the team there because they told me they wouldn't really recruit anybody from up north. We don't play Mm -hmm. all year round. I was so excited. I made the team and I was still dealing with the headaches. I was going to pain management doctors down in Florida, which is a scary thing when you're 18 and 19 years old and they're giving you all these pain medicine. And then you hear all the things about people being addicted to it. My brother lived down in Florida. I would give him the bulk of my medicine because I just didn't want to have it on hand. Mm. That's a lot to to dispense. It's a lot to be on your own for the first time. And then to be managing your health when it's a little compromised. Right. Now that's... uh, And and trying to figure out what would make me feel better just so I could go to class, so I could play, so I could get through each day and not be completely knocked out either. I remember waking up after one of our first preseason workouts and I couldn't move my legs. And that was 
the scariest thing ever because like not your athlete. normal muscle fatigue that you've just not you know and- like I had to lift my legs up to sit on the side of my bed and it was like what oh, wow. is happening to me and mm-hmm. I called my dad and I was hysterically crying because I never wanted to say I couldn't play but I was like I can't I can't mm. play anymore and that's playing softball in college anywhere and so as soon as I said that everybody kind of realized how serious this was and how we needed to figure something out and it's funny how things work out my grandmother had uh, colon cancer and was in the hospital she was recovering she had surgery um everything went really well and my dad was watching the you know hospital tv and the Curie institute came on um in manhasset and it was all the doctors and specialists and he was like this is here we didn't know about it for two years and this is like right around you know down the block from you know pretty much where we were and he spoke with the oncologist and they got me an appointment to see these doctors which is a really hard thing there's people from all over the world who go there they flew me up from Florida and I had my, you know, first visit with them. And right off the bat, I knew I was in the right place. They, you know, they knew everything. They explained it so we could understand exactly what was happening. Cause we were still kind of in the dark about what I even had and what was going on. And how um, old are you now? Now you're 19? I think I, yeah, I was 18, just 18. about to turn 18. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2007, um, May, after my freshman year of college, they had tried a couple different things to slow spinal fluid production and a couple things. They just weren't working for me. And we decided to go through a surgery because I, it's funny that I'm 32 now because I remember sitting in the doctor's office and they said, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I said, I don't want to be 32 with kids <laughs> and life and have to have the surgery then. How would I do oh. that? Hmm. And, you know, I didn't realized then the significance of what I went through. It was kind of like, well, this is what I'm doing, whatever. Like you're, you're still invincible at that age. So sure. I'll have surgery, whatever. I was able to, I had surgery May 12th. It was just 13 years um, in May. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I did have the surgery when I did now because thinking about trying to recover with five (laughs) little ones running around and jumping on top of you would not have been the easiest of recoveries. (laughs) <laughs> and at 19, I knew I'd be able to bounce back a little bit quicker than, you know, as I got older, it's always harder to recover from anything. So I am glad I made the choice I made and it changed my life completely. I mean, I always joke with my parents because I didn't ever have brain freeze. <laughs> Such a weird little thing, but I think that people interesting. Were that up. And then that first summer after surgery, I had brain freeze and I was like, that's what everybody was talking about. So you know, little factors that change, but on a whole, I don't wake up where I can't move my legs. I still get headaches from now, every now and again, this time of year with the pressures and the, you know, thunderstorms and all that, it'll kind of. So the barometric pressures in the, in the air affect. Yes, definitely. Um, Hmm. Snowstorms, I can tell, that's, everybody says Mm -hmm. they have a trick knee. I say I have a trick Mm -hmm. brain. I can tell when the weather's (laughs) changing (laughs) and things like that, but um but yeah, so I'm I'm really glad I had the surgery. I'm glad that I've had a couple of people reach out to me to ask about it because their sure. kids get diagnosed with it. And that's always kind of an exciting thing because we were in such a dark place of not knowing. It's so scary. It's, it's, and when you hear brain, so my oldest, Marissa, was unbeknownst at the time born with hydrocephalus, which is 
layman's terms like water on the brain, this the spinal fluid. Uh, she has very tiny ventricles and it would get it wouldn't flow. It would just get stuck there. And mm-hmm. she was diagnosed at five months, which is why as infants, they measure their heads. Well, first time mom tips that I didn't know. And yeah, five months old and um, go see a neurosurgeon and your infant daughter is going to have brain surgery. Oh, okay. Scariest and not knowing, you know, you walk into that initial office for a consult with this look of, you know, help me please. And it's interesting because obviously she's fine through the miracle of a wonderful surgeon. And she's had one other revision uh, in her lifetime. But every time we would go for our annual checkups and you see the new parents with that same look of fear and, you know, here's, here's my daughter walking in and I would be like, these guys know what they're doing. Like it doesn't have to be the end of the world. And Mm -hmm. so it's nice to be able to validate and answer the questions. Yes, completely. Especially when you went in not knowing, knowing to be that, you know, a little bit of relief or maybe Mm -hmm. belief, like belief that it's going to be okay. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there are ways to come out on the other side. And, you know, I think that's, you know, one of the fun parts of the journey, because I didn't realize, like I said, at 19, how significant it was in my life. You know, my parents Mm. would say my biggest worry was I wear contacts or glasses. I was like, I'm not gonna be able to see. I'm going to think I went blind after it. And they were like, what is wrong with you? Like these are what, (laughs) but I was 19. I didn't, you know, I was like, yeah, surgery, who cares? Whatever. Now at 32, I realized how much that changed my life, how big of a deal that was, how much, you know, it, took away from me, but also gave me. Mm. Um, and I think that's, you know, it's funny how sometimes it takes over 10 years for you to get to that point of, oh, wait, that's why that happened. That's what sometimes that's even longer. 10 years. <laughs> Consider yourself the express bus if it's ten, sometimes <laughs> even longer. You know, yeah. it, it, it is interesting that you can reflect and be like, and that's the reason why, or that's the best thing that ever happened to me when I broke my ankle when I was 52 and couldn't walk. And yeah, but I knew almost right away, it was the best thing that ever happened to me as, Mm -hmm. and people would like give me this look. I'm like, it needed to happen. It, yeah, yeah, very, very different person after. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes you have to go through things and then some mm-hmm. to realize why you had to go through it. And mm-hmm. I definitely, I'd say within the last like three years, it really hit me what Kiri did for my life, what it cha- how it changed it. And, you know, I hope my, none of my kids, it is a hereditary thing. So I hope none of my kids oh. ever have to go through it. It's something oh, that I do when they complain about a headache or even and like you said, when the doctors are measuring their heads as infants, it's something since I was pregnant, they've kept an eye on because mm-hmm. it is something, if you know about it, it's just a little bit easier to keep an eye on and see if mm-hmm. it's, you know, progressing. Not just a headache or not just a... Uh, right. Mm-hmm. Are, we, are we brushing it off because it's this or, you right. know, same thing. They're having other symptoms that I was having. It's something to look at. So, mm-hmm. so it gives you some very good insight. Definitely. So then you're in your 20s and... Yeah. You become a mom to a wonderful yeah. little boy who's growing into a fine young man. Yes. And you added to that 
<laughs> yeah. How many? <laughs> How many kids? Four more. We had Fiona and then we decided we were going to go for one more and we ended up with twins. Mm-hmm. God, sense of humor. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was getting ready to pack up all the baby things and I found out I was pregnant with my youngest, Nessa, who is just a piece of work. <laughs> she was that one thing that you really, you know, you don't, you don't know you needed. You did, and, right. Uh, exactly. Yeah. It's always that one that yep. maybe <laughs> not in the cards, not optimum for where you are in life. No, I, you know, it's my relationship was in a spot where I knew one more thing could be the end. You know, it was, it was coming to a point where it was like, if something else happens, I don't know that this is going to work anymore. Mm-hmm. Because we, because of the kids, you know, and I was worried about that because you have four kids and now you're bringing another one into maybe not the best situation, but I don't think I could have made it through the situation without her to be yeah. perfectly honest, because yeah. she just really, I mean, seeing life through all of my kids' eyes is amazing. It's so fun and exciting, but there's just something about Nessa. Sometimes she really like, that's the life I want to live is how right. she sees how the world. she sees it. it. Yeah. I have my prince, my youngest is that, and he was that, but he was also a surprise. He, well, he was my souvenir, certainly nothing that, and at the time and for the first two hours that I even knew I was pregnant, you had to talk me off the ledge. And if my husband didn't say after I called him and said, you're never going to believe this, damn it. You know, he's like, what? I'm like, I can't believe I'm pregnant. And the next words changed it all, which was, that's the best thing you could have ever told me. Don't worry, it's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, but, but, you know, blah, blah. And he's like, this is, this is going to be fine. It has been, I can't imagine my life without him. I yeah. can't. I, and, and I think nor can a lot of people because as, you know, I don't think God makes the mistakes and he knows exactly what. And I was, yes, older, knew how fast it goes and really took the time to, just to devour and just to really kind of look through life, what he sees. Not what I see. I've already done that. I've seen that. Mm -hmm. I've been there. But, you know, as a baby in a stroller would start belting out songs and in the (laughs) middle of whatever. And, you know, like he was kind of like Buddy the Elf, you know, as an infant and still has that that whole childlike charm about him. He definitely does. He does. (laughs) He absolutely does. And, you know, it's it is the one that you thought wasn't gonna like how could it happen oh my goodness because you know it's not right it's life is life was too complicated and how can we even do this and I can't even picture it without it right and that's kind of Nessa you know it's and and for everybody in the family and Mm -hmm. like you said Mm -hmm. you know Jack and Fiona were close in age so we did Mm -hmm. everything together and it was fun and then I had the twins and you almost 
like I felt like I went into autopilot. There was two of them. I, you know, they, there was two infants that needed you. And I would remind myself all the time, like you have to embrace it because it does go by so quick. But with Nessa, it almost like slowed things down a little bit for me because I was so used to going, 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 Mm. everybody getting to the age where they could kind of entertain themselves. And we all got to enter, enjoy Nessa. Enjoy, enjoy. And her, like, just all the new discoveries, the little things. And even still, I mean, she cracks everybody up. Everybody wants to be around Nessie all the time. And uh, uh, like I had said earlier, like we go to the store and she's just singing, I just can't wait to be king every morning. <laughs> that song. and it's, Which should be our theme song. <laughs> it just gets me pumped for the day, you know? I'm like, me either. And she's like, you'll be the mommy king. And I'm like, I, I'm down with that, you know? Anytime you want, sweetie. So it's just those little things that you don't always stop and take the time to really like embrace and enjoy. And, you know, it's well, like it's untarnished. It's, yeah, they see it so clean. And, you know, before anyone tells them what they should or shouldn't do or why it shouldn't be that, you know, it's just the purity of where they, that's how they come into the world. Right. And, and they, as the youngest too, I think they've, they, they're able to take in so much of everybody. Mm. And so the personality that comes from that is just amazing because they are almost like wise beyond their years. They see their older siblings, their parents, their, how everybody interacts and they pick up on everybody else. And that's whenever anybody has been around us, so they're like, she's not like a little baby, but she is, you know, she's got right. that little baby, but she's just got so much character and a little body. The survivor, right. Where are you in birth order with your siblings? In the middle child. Of course, of course you are. <laughs> Why do I even ask these questions? That's so funny. All of you are middles. That's so funny. Because uh, I'm a baby, as is my husband. I know with me, and, and there's, there was a couple of years difference between uh, the other two siblings, and I, I would watch. I would kind of watch what they're doing, you know, oh, they, well, they asked that way, and they got, you know, they were told no. Maybe I just won't ask. Like I, I right. observed and, and then also, again, my parents are older. Like with Greg, we always say he was raised by wolves. It's, we were older. There were times where we looked at each other and said, what made us think we could do this again? But you're just in a different place in life. And that's why I think it, when you have more than one sibling, and you got them in, you know, you interviewed them later in life, you would think that they were raised by different, in a different house altogether, because their experience is all different. You're emerging as a single mom. Yes. So relationship is now in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. How does one even start? What did you do? How did you do it? How did you find Dawn again? Well, when everything kind of exploded, hit the wall, whatever, however you want to say it, I was feeling probably the worst I've ever felt in my life. I didn't Mm want to be around. I didn't want to exist. I just, I felt like I failed everything. I had tried whatever I could and it wasn't going to work. And I am a problem solver. So when that happens, you just feel like, like why am I here? Yeah. Mm -hmm. What did I do? And I had my kids who were saying things. My parents got divorced when I was older. And I remember thinking things that my kids were now saying to me. And I was like, Mm. I can't teach them this. I cannot 
we can't live a life where my kids are going to think this stuff is okay. And Mm. to put yourself in a situation to feel this way, they can't feel how I'm feeling right now. Not even that, you know, anything about the relationship, but just, I knew how I felt and I wasn't going to let my kids ever be in that position to feel that way. Um, And yet you were starting to hear that. And I was starting to hear that already. And that's, you know, I think one of the, the things I I never want to lose with my kids is we've always really been able to talk and communicate. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it takes a day or two for mm-hmm. them to come back, but mm-hmm. I never want them to not be able to talk with me. And uh, especially about the hard stuff because, you know, they'll tell me all about YouTube videos, but it's the things that are really getting to you that you mm-hmm. need to be able to talk about and communicate about. And I think we lose that with the technological era and everything like that, because you can type it, you can just ignore it with all the other stimulation. But yet having to actually sit and verbalize it and actually being able to recognize and putting into words your feelings. Right. That's, that's the hard, it's, it's becoming a lost, it's one of the, I'll say bad thing, not a bad thing, but it's becoming a lost art and it's so important. I hundred percent agree. And so when COVID hit, I kind of was looking at it as like, well, maybe this can be like a reset button. Maybe, you know, maybe things could reset and I can set a new, I don't know, just a new way of moving forward Mm -hmm. and um, new patterns for everybody. And so I started to run because that's what I did after brain surgery. They told me I really couldn't go back to playing sports or anything like that, but I could run. And so I was never a runner, but I was like, I need to do something physical. So I'll start running. So I found a trail nearby and it had waterfalls and there's no ocean here. And that's my favorite thing. So I was like, well, water's good enough. Mm -hmm. And I started running and I, you know, half the time I'd walk and just, but being outside, it was nice. And we couldn't do anything else. It was COVID. So I'd go out and run and I'd run and run and then I'd start running further and it felt good. It was just kind of a release. I was doing something for me, which I'm sure Mm. you'll tell your kids. And my mom told me you need to keep something for yourself when you're a mom. And it's so hard to believe that it's like nap when the baby's napping. It's that's Mm -hmm. not always a thing you can figure out how to do that. You can't factor it into the craziness of life and being a mom. Um, But once I did, it was like, I am never letting go of my things, even if it's just, you know, but it's, it's so important. You know, we, we think of it as, you know, you feel so guilty because you're taking away like, oh, but I'm not there for them. But who says, and, and you, I mean, we weren't raised with our parents 24 hour beck and call attention. Mm -hmm. I always tell the story that, you know, and my dad is going to be 89. Growing up, he didn't even know how to spell my name. (laughs) He would always ask me, you know, whenever he was filling out the taxes, how do you spell it? Is it PH? I'm like, wow, feeling the love. Okay. (laughs) Um, But they didn't. We were there. They loved us. They raised us. They gave us a foundation. They taught us rules, right from wrong, et cetera. But yeah, they weren't in, in our business. They didn't know our business. And yet now we have the total opposite of some entitlement of me, 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 me. It's all about me. And wait a minute, why aren't you paying attention to me? It's been five minutes and you're still on the phone. Right. 
So that's when it, they want how they want it. And, you know, it was kind of like, go outside and play, go figure I, something I, out. <laughs> like, we'll see you when the streetlights come on. Right. And no, I mean, yeah. my parents coached, my parents were involved in stuff, but when right. it, we had downtime, it wasn't like entertainment dance nope. for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's one thing. I mean, even my oldest, because we were in that pattern of me being there 24 seven, even when I worked, I worked overnight. So my kids never went without mom without being Without you. Correct. I didn't go out with friends, you know, maybe a mm-hmm. handful of Mm-hmm. If I can, I, don't, I think I could probably count on two hands how many times I went out by myself. And so they would, that's how, that's how you start losing yourself. You lose yourself, you lose your identity. And then I think it, you almost become ashamed of it because then I closed people out even more. Mm. And I'm so thankful for some of my best friends because they didn't let that happen. They've reached they, out. They, they like, banged no, on the door and broke it down. Still yeah. Here, still <laughs> you. And that's such an important thing. And, you know, you have to be grateful for those people because that's sometimes those little bits that keep you holding on to that part of yourself. And uh, so, like I said, I started running. And then when I, the kids were here and I couldn't run, I built myself a little workout area Mm -hmm. and found that it was heavy enough for me to feel like I was strength and so some of the things that you use to work out only because then you started also posting on Instagram and and it was just I mean it was great to watch so when you didn't have weights what would you use what was that Um, thing on your shoulders your a beam yeah it was an uh like an iron Uh eye beam that they Uh use when thing like construction Uh workers use so I used that. I had old rotors from mm-hmm. changing brakes on the car. So I used those. Just whatever. You the know, mother of invention. It doesn't have to be fancy. It just has no. to, you know, they, they say you can work out with cans of tomato sauce and gallons of water or even water that's, bottles. And, and that's where I kind of started from. I remember being a kid and watching mm-hmm. like HGTV mm-hmm. things. And what they were showing, like, you can lift your cans. And I was like, See, like those are too light, though, for now. I need something yeah. better. Even the kids yeah. would come over, that's me, mom. So they'd be bench pressed, you know, and mm-hmm, I can go mm-hmm. up the weights then because they're all a variety of sizes. Mm-hmm. But it was fun and it got them moving too. It, it, you know, they want to, can we work out with you? Can we come out and help out? Can we come out and do that with you? So that made me feel good. As much as I saw them absorbing some of the negative things mm. that had happened, mm-hmm. they were that you use good habits, good outlets to deal with the frustration or deal with whatever you're going through and make you feel good and make you feel like you're, you're doing something productive. I don't know. I, I, like I said, I didn't, I couldn't stop moving. If I stopped moving, Mm. I was going to go to that downside place and I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be on the other side of it. And the only way I know how to do that is to keep going. (laughs) And then if you do stop, though, I mean, you know, we can try to outrun it. Mm-hmm. But if you do stop and then your thoughts will, the, the story that you're writing in your head gets really good and really detailed and really sometimes graphic all in your head. Still yep. hasn't, you know, doesn't mean it's, it's true. Very, loud. <laughs> very, very loud. So. What have you done to 
quiet the voices, change the story, change your vision? What's what's helped you in the past? Well, like I said, keeping moving, um, getting myself back into school because it wasn't something I thought I could do. I didn't, Mm. I lost that belief in myself and like my potential because I was in everybody else and trying to show everybody else all that they had to offer. And as soon as I went into the admissions office, I was like, I got this. Mm. I'm going to do this. This is not a problem. And I think just like empowering yourself a little bit, realizing that like, I can still get good grades. I can be a mom of five. There's other people out there who have done this, who have done really well. So it's proven. So it is definitely proven. Absolutely. Not Sometimes just sitting in those crappy feelings, you know, you just have to, you have to sit and feel like crap sometimes because that's how you know what the good feels like. You know, sometimes you have to go through those hard things to realize when you're feeling good, you know, you, you need mm-hmm. to know the low. Oh, the I mean, I'm in therapy. I, that helped me a lot. I, mm-hmm. I got a letter. It's been a year since I really started in with all of that. And I, the people that have helped me tremendously over the last year are two faceless people that I will never probably see because of COVID. That's when everything started. Everything was over the phone. And I don't think they know how much they've helped me and the kids, mm. you know, by, Showing me what's what, you know, helping me learn that quiet those voices, that it's not always what you see. You have to change it in your own head. You're in charge of that, you know. You yeah. can feel a way, but that's where you have to own it. You have to realize that that's just how you're feeling. It's not necessarily what somebody's doing to you. Correct. It's absorbing mm-hmm. it your skin. And um, so I think that's yep. really it. Just changing what I would normally do when I'd normally say, no, I can't do that saying, you know what, I'm going to go do that. You know, when mm-hmm. I would say, Oh, my friend's going to be back home on Long Island. I'm going to go make that trip. Cause usually I'd say, Oh, I can't do that. Or I'd be told we couldn't do that or whatever it is. And it's taking that, that step to make it work because that's what makes you happy. And you have to do those things that make you happy and not say, Oh, well next time. Or, you know, you have to, you have to push yourself out of those comfortable patterns that you are in because that feels protected and safe, even though it a lot of times it's nope. really not good for yourself, you know? And it's not, yeah, no growing is, is really taking place. And, you know, there's a thousand uh, cliches out there of, you know, how you can put your self-care first and mm-hmm. an easy one and, and everyone works in different visuals and an easy one is, you know, you have to fill your cup first. You're so busy making sure everyone else's cup is full and overflowing. And and I forget who said this once, and it kind of resonated with me, which is you have to fill your cup first. And when it starts to overflow, that's what people get. They get your overflow. They don't get what's in your cup because that's for you. You have to fill yourself so much that they get the overflow. And I'm... Learning that I still, mm-hmm. you know, fall mm-hmm. back into old habits so easily because, of course, I I know what it's like to not have that feeling, not have that support, not have all of you know those cheerleaders or whatever. I want that for every person I meet, even if it's just like, hey, how are you? Mm-hmm. Like you can mm-hmm. do things, but you have to be able to turn that to yourself too and believe that you can do that. And uh, you know, it's it's hard, especially think in that in in that role because 
as soon as your kids are born, you know, that's your job is to build them up, is to help them show Their them. Their biggest that. cheerleaders. Absolutely. But as you said, how that for them, if I'm not doing that for myself, you know, and that's, you know, one of the most important things I've learned this past year is they do see that they see mm. the, the little accomplishments. They see when you're happy and when you're not happy, they see when you act differently during certain situations, people around you know whether you're being yourself or if you're guarding that and you're, you know, kind of mm-hmm. doing something else to so show that it, it shines through. So I want to be who I am. I know I'm a decent person. I know I have a lot of growing to do still. I will continue to that. But my kids need to see that it's okay to grow. It's okay to recognize, hey, I'm not perfect. I have faults. You know, I'll lose my patience with them. And I'm like, sorry, mommy lost it. Um, but let's let's take a step back and how are we going to move forward so that doesn't happen again? And how are we going to talk about this again? So we're all on the same page. Because, you know, like I said, I think communication is a totally lost art these days. It, it so is. And it's so important that you're showing them and teaching them and more importantly, giving them a platform mm-hmm. and a voice because that's what we all want. We all yeah. want to be heard. Now, even though, you know, you may not agree with their opinion or their idea of, I know, let's, you know, let's go swimming, it, even though it's 50 degrees. Okay. Duly noted, but um, not today. Right. right. Thank you. Your vote has been considered. Understand. And been outvoted. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think we're going to make that Yes. What's in store? What can we see? What do you think the rest of the 2021 brings for brings for you? Well, we we have to make some big moves this year. Um, Mm -hmm. What exactly they're going to be? I'm not yet. I'm trying to figure that out by the end of the school year. Hopefully, got a couple more Mm -hmm. weeks before make that major decision. Finishing school, getting back to work. and just hopefully moving forward and growing and getting back to our happy place as far as, I don't know, a neutral spot. It's not even about the, you know, super high times or the super low times, right. but just getting back a peaceful right. place for everybody. Um, I love the good time to do that. I feel like it's kind of a, I don't know. You it's my favorite. It. Yeah. Yeah. And just get back to a spot. I. I have always said, I want to be so good at something that they'll write a book about me. <laughs> and, I um, and love that. Like that's, you know, how good, how, whether it's how passionate you are about something or how good you are about it. Like that's how I feel about whatever I'm going to end up doing. Like I said, I'm in nursing school right now and I absolutely love it. It's something that I can care about other people. I can, you know, be that you know, same kind of thing as a mom, you're taking care of people, you're putting out something mm-hmm. where you're, you know, helping other people. And that's definitely something I love to do. And I know, but is that it? I don't think so. I think there's more yeah. than just being a nurse. I, but, you know, it, it all comes a place of service, a place of compassion, you yeah. know, the giving, the giving, the giving. And I think, you know, one of your lessons learned is how important your core has to be, how important Mm -hmm. your self-care has to be, and especially the words that you say to yourself. I mean, I always will, if I mess something up, I'm like, are are you for fucking real? Like, come on, Stephanie. Like, you know, you, and right away I'll be like, 
would I say that to anybody? Like, I'm so nice sometimes to people. And yet what I say to myself, and I always really have started to catch myself, like even jokingly, no, not jokingly, you know, the brain really doesn't know the, the difference between, oh, she, oh, that one was a joke. No, it really doesn't. So we really have to be a little more conscious about right. and what we say and how we say it to ourselves. Because, I mean, the litmus test is, would you say that to anyone else? Nonetheless, someone that you loved. Right. I had a couple of friends recently going through some stuff and they're like, I just need your wor- your words of wisdom. And I'm like, can you write them down and send them back to me? Because- <laughs> yes. I, I actually just bought this like little self-recording thing from Amazon. I think it, you can record notes on it and maybe it's 30 seconds or a minute of, you know, just... I can, I can give people like the best. I can give you the, the greatest pep talk or whatever. Sure. I need that sometimes. Yeah, and, you, you know, help. yeah. And I have, and, and I good. usually say. That's one of the things, you know, in therapy, they, we talk about that all the time. She's like, would mm-hmm. you say that to your friend? And I'm like, no, mm-hmm. but it's me. If I, I friend needs it. And she's right. like, why don't, like, why don't yeah. we believe in general we that too. we deserve it too? Because it's easy to see that in everybody else, but sometimes it's just so hard to like look in the mirror and think that about yourself. So I definitely, um, that's one of the things I've been super working on. And it's just not questioning it, you know, not questioning whether you deserve that or where you stand or who you are, because mm-hmm. you are who you are. You know, if you want to be different, you can be different. You just got to do it. You know, yeah. it's. Ah, uh, I love this. I love this talk. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So if anyone wanted to follow you on social, where can they find you? My Instagram is dsers, D-S-E-R-Z 314. Watch the workouts. Watch the kiddos. They are adorable. You always have a lot Watch the journey. Exactly. It's quite a journey. I hope it gets more exciting as it goes. I already am seeing like the cover, the cover art for the book. (laughs) I know know for sure it's going to be written. Absolutely, positively. I actually started saving little emails to myself. Just I was like, one day I'll write a book. You know, there's so much here that happens. Oh, oh, okay. So already there's an outline. Even better. (laughs) Even better. So hopefully, (laughs) listen, I hope that I'm like the first stop on the book tour. Oh, 100%. Let's do that. The first stop on the book tour before it really gets crazy. In the Spotify office, you're going to have to. Oh, that's right. In the Spotify (laughs) recording office that, yeah, yeah, Joe Joe Rogan needs to watch out. Yeah. Because this podcast is going to take over. Absolutely. That's correct. I believe it. I do too. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for another episode. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, anywhere you listen to your pods. Go to our website, joyfoundhere.com. This one is comment worthy. I mean, you know, the, the struggle is real. It doesn't have to be a struggle. But again, sometimes you got to walk through those hot coals to really get to the ocean side. And then when you do, you get to dive in and see what's next. For everyone out there, thank you again and uh, enjoy your day. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Joy Found Here podcast. 
If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, if you haven't already done so, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. Don't forget to head over to joyfoundhere.com for any questions, comments, and feedback. Until next week, keep your head up and your crown straight. You've got this. Thank you.